We've all heard of Siamese twins, two people born physically joined together with their sibling. We also know of identical twins, two people born who look identical in appearance to one another and share many of the same genes. But what if there was another option? Identical twins who were connected physically, but by a single soul. Can one live on without the other? Do they each have free will to make their own choices? Do these questions drive them slowly into madness, questioning their very identity, until one snaps and kills their twin just to see if they will live on? This is It Records. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Instead of adding the air horn sound effect in later into the podcast, I thought I would make it myself. Makes sense. Yeah, so if I am Matt Johnson, one of your many hosts of the It Records podcast, thanks for joining us again over the internet airwaves known as the podcast realm. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter's with us. Um, in case you didn't know that, he he decided to drop in today. Yeah, uh, thank you for thank you for stopping by, Pete. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna take off now. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you. We know we, we we knew you had you only for a short time, so I, I appreciate it. I'm a busy um, guy. Yeah. This week on the podcast was your selection. Is that correct? What we did? Yes. And I I don't think we've mentioned it. Um, uh, it's <laughs> uh. Feel free to uh, introduce it, Pete. Oh, your, okay. Your pick for this week. Mm. It's our second movie by David Cronenberg, and this one is Dead Ringers, which was about two, you know, obviously brothers that were twins that were gynecologists. And they're weird. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Beverly Mantle. By every scientific measure, they are absolutely the same. They share everything. You haven't had any experience until I've had it too. Bev, you've got to try the movie star. She's unbelievable. Doctor, you've cured me. You mean to say there's two of them? They're twins, dear. I think we should drop her, Bev. You drop her. love if it does this to you, Doctor, I think there's something wrong with you. Patients are getting strange. What are they? For working on mutant women. From David Cronenberg, who in The Fly made the fantastic real. Get out of here! Radical technology was required. Something radical is definitely required. Now, David Cronenberg makes reality the ultimate fantasy. Dead Ringers. Separation can be a, a terrifying thing. Yeah, it's, it just follows. There's successful gynecologists. Um, they have their own practice. And really, the, the it's a kind of a subtle plot, I think, but it's just they're very close, and there's a woman that kind of disrupts that relationship. Yes. Is essentially the, the plot. 
Yes. Right. Because what they do is they uh, they have affairs with their patients, and they kind of do this really gross, creepy thing where they uh, switch and pretend to be each other. So they both um, experience the patient, I guess, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> definitely a way to put it. That is a way to put it. That is correct. They <laughs> experience the patient. <laughs> As you mentioned, Pete, this is a Cronenberg film, and it's the second one that we've done. This is 88. This film came out, directed by Cronenberg. Also co-wrote this with Norm Schneider, I believe he wrote it. And the other one we did was The Fly, mm-hmm. which was which is two years prior to this, 86, I believe. So they're pretty close in the timeline when they came out. Yes. And generally... I guess right now we can kind of pop into the horror significance, if you will, before we go into any like plot elements. But typically, I would say, if you think of David Cronenberg on a horror podcast, it would fall under a body horror type movie. Yes, right. Is, 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 he's usually synonymous with body horror. Yeah, because you, you have The Fly. Um, what, what else we got? Videodrome. The brood. Uh, the brood. Scanners. Scanners. Right. I think the Scanners after this movie. Scanners after Dead Ringers. I thought Scanners was before. It it could be. I might be off on my timeline. I guess Dead Zone's not really like a body horror, but that's another horror mm. of his. That's a, that's a it, sp- fucking, I almost said Spielberg. What's his name? What? <laughs> no, I can't think of the fucking writer's name now. Steven. Oh. oh my god. Seagal. No. The writer. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not he sure. Writes, he writes all the horror books. Oh, King. Thank Stephen you. King. Oh my god. <laughs> Could not remember his name. Yeah, I think The Dead Zone is Stephen King story okay. and he adapted it into the big screen. He adapted it. Well, um, interesting segue then from you saying they adapted Dead Zone from a book. This is actually technically uh, an adaptation in two ways. It was yes. a book based it was called the book was called Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also based off a, a true story, loosely based off a true story of actually two twins. Yeah, that was weird that when I found that out. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, how much of this is real? <laughs> right, and like, right? were they yeah. actually, like, twin gynecologists too? Like, that's what I don't know. It's like, how much is it is actually based in reality? It seemed like I watched, like, a part interview about this movie uh, with Cronenberg. Uh, I think that was his choice, because um, he was trying to pick something, like, what's a way for these characters to be like removed from society, but like their way of like having relationships, relationships with women is very like process. And it's like through work is like how they meet women. Cause they don't know how to meet women in any other way because they're so like outcast and so weird. Cause you kind of get that. And the little snippet in the beginning where they're just talking about like, like when they're playing with toys and doing like surgery and then they're like, let's ask this 
girl in our neighborhood. If oh my sex. god. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that opening scene because, as you're saying, Pete, it kind of they're very clinical in their relationship with just with women, but also just in general. I feel like, and you get that from the very first scene. There's like a it's almost three different timelines. One where they're like nine or ten years old, then they're in their residency at college, and then they're like accepting a reward, uh, an award for some sort of yes uh, breakthrough in the field. So we get this sort of exposition of them, and from that first scene when they're like nine years old, you understand that they're a little different from everybody around. Yeah, yeah. that much is clear. Bunch of weirdos, <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of parlays into them like. You know, they're known at this point, like, you know, how many ever, how many years later, they're known for their kind of uh, unconventional ways of doing things, right? Like, it seems to be, like, their claim to fame and that nobody can tell them apart. And, like, they they thrive off that. And, yeah, their, their relationship is almost symbiotic, just how they interact. A little creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But from that first scene... Um, I thought this movie would take a different direction just based on the first shot we get is them as nine-year-olds and they're like humans what they have to internalize the water they're talking about how fish have how fish reproduce is that a woman a woman fish a female fish lays eggs and then in the water the male fish can fertilize them and humans have to internalize the water is what they said in order to have sex. And then they ask this nine-year-old if she wants to right have sex in the bathtub with them. And she mm. tells them to, like, fuck off, freaks. I'll tell my mom or dad on you. And I knew I was in for a ride, but I, I thought this movie was going in a different direction. That uh-huh. It's kind of an abrupt start. Yeah, it was really... It was really... Out of left field, almost. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, like, kind of comedic, and, like, the rest of the movie doesn't really have, like, a comedic tone at all. It's, like, very serious. I would say True. there's no other comedic moments at all in the movie after that point. At least Agreed. Not, not to my knowledge, or how I perceive them to be. Yeah, there, there weren't really many belly laughs, I thought, no. or any, <laughs> no. to, like, break break the tension that you might see in other horror films, such as, like, you know... Uh, us that we just did last mm. which has a lot a lot of comedy to break the tension there really wasn't that in this film this wasn't that type of movie at all before no. we get a little further into plot do you want to hear some um creepy headline always pete i was i was gonna ask it's not a joke i was gonna ask i would love to hear a creepy headline i i would stop the podcast if to hear the rest yes please just do the creepy headline <laughs> okay so I'm not going to give you the title, because the title, I feel like, kind of gives it away. But I'll okay. just start off. Twins Jennifer and June Gibbons became notorious in the 80s when they carried out a two-woman crime spree at age 18 that resulted in both sisters being declared psychopaths and sent to England's most famous high-security hospital for the criminally insane. However, they already had plenty of experience being creepy before that. As kids, they were known as the Silent Twins because they refused to speak to anyone but each other. And even then, they used their own secret language that no one else could understand. Born to Barbadian 
parents and raised in Wales, Jennifer and June refused to read or write in school. But at home, it was the opposite. They read vicariously and filled dozens of diaries with writing, including full novels with the names like Pepsi Cola Addict and Discorama, Discomania. Like all children, they liked to play games, but rather than settling for Barbies or Monopoly, they had bizarre rituals where they decided which one would wake up in the morning first or which one would breathe first, and the one who wasn't allowed to do anything until the first one did so. Their relationship was complicated. On one hand, they were best friends. On the other, they occasionally tried to kill each other. Jennifer tried to strangle June with a cord of a radio, and June responded by throwing Jennifer off a bridge. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, Their odd behavior escalated as they grew older and turned to petty theft and arson. It was at that point that their parents realized that there might be something wrong with their girls and agreed to have them committed, and then if they hadn't, the authorities probably would have insisted. It was toward the end of their 14-year-old stay at Broadmere Hospital that the twins would pull off their magnum opus. One day, they told their only friend, journalist Marjorie, Marjorie Wallace, author of their biography, published years earlier, that one of them wouldn't make it out of the hospital alive. Jennifer just looked at Wallace and said, I'm going to die, we've decided. You see, the twins had realized that they would never be free or normal as long as they were both alive. And so according to Wallace and later interviews by a reformed June, Jennifer agreed to be the one to die. And what to do now? Wait, and what do you know? On the day that they were being transferred to a lower security hospital, Jennifer suddenly passed away from a rare heart problem that was never fully explained. As predicted, June became considerably less creepy after she stopped being a twin. And today she lives a quiet life with her family, but somehow it just makes all of this even weirder. That's a fantastic headline for this. It's pretty crazy because I feel like, and it's a true creepy headline and a, a, a true story. It it kind of Parallels I feel like the movie. quite a bit, yeah, and how these characters interact with one another. And you know what's funny? I picked yeah, this one at random. Me. I picked it at random. I didn't even read it beforehand. Really? I just I oh. I the first one I was going to read. I like briefly skimmed it and it sounded really good, and then I, it was like it was like five really creepy ones, and then like so then I went down to the silent. It was called the Silent Twins that are creepier than the Shining Girls, so I was just like, yeah. "That's a good title. I'll read that one." And then as yeah. I was reading it, I was like, "This is a good choice." Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's a great choice. It's, <laughs> it's 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 the struggle these Beverly and El- Elliot had in the film. Exactly. Which yeah, Beverly and Elliot Mantle are the two twins in this film. <laughs> Dead ringers, <laughs> by the way. Both played by Jeremy Irons. Um, yeah. Played the same character. Who like I feel like I haven't seen like a lot of them. Like I know he's like in he's Alfred Pennyworth and like kind of like in the DC movies recently. But, like, I feel like I haven't seen him around. Like, uh, I feel like I used to see him a lot in, like, the 90s. I think he was big in the 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s. Did a lot of Shakespearean work. I know that. So, like, a trained Shakespearean actor. And he he was recently in the film Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence about the spies. Mm, Okay. He was in that. Um, And I I hadn't really seen a lot of things he's been in. I'm not generally drawn to Jeremy Irons, but I know of him. 
I will say after watching Dead Ringers, I had a new appreciation for Jeremy Irons' actors because I thought he did a great job of making them feel that each one of these characters, I mean, it's, it's him both times, but they had very distinct personalities and it wasn't overdone. It wasn't like one had tattoos and wore a handkerchief around his head and the other one was like the books, but yeah. it was very... Well, that was the thing. It's like, you know, they had distinctive personalities, but I think they, you know, made it a point to make it difficult to distinguish the two. So I was pretty confused a good amount of the time. Too. Not knowing too. which one was speaking, which one was being in the other's place. Very confusing. Some trivia for you guys about him is that at first he had two separate dressing rooms for each character of like who he wanted to be. And then he then decided against it that he would mix all the wardrobe together because it's like he wants people to be confused. And then how he would tell the difference was like subtle differences that he would do with his appearance. And that one character, he would, like, put the weight of his body weight on the, on his heel when he's playing one character. And then when he's doing the other character, he put his weight on the front of his feet to kind of, like, internalize how to keep track of who he was playing. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really, like, specific. Yeah, and, like, like, I guess would help, like, remember for yourself who you're playing. That's next level stuff. Yeah. And to his credit, I thought... Uh, he did a great job. Uh, yeah, he's a good he actor. He's nominated for, bu- yeah, he's nominated for a bunch of awards. Not an Oscar by means, but a lot of awards. I-, I saw that he was nominated for his performance. It was like a Critics Award, right? I think so. Yeah, and a Genie, a Genie Award. Yeah. Which, speaking of these two twins, Beverly and Elliot, uh, I was going to throw to you guys one interpretation of the film. Uh, one big idea I think is what David Cronenberg does with his horror films is he uses body horror a lot and it's a way of basically manifesting our internal struggles or like what's going on in our heads and create and manifest them into uh, or or, are striving to be better it becomes body horror i.e. like the fly Um, but in this one I feel like it's it's not so much about the body horror and the gore. I, I don't. I feel like it's it's mu- that's much more reserved oh, in yeah, this film, definitely, compared to previous works. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. that could like for me like that could definitely work, but I feel like it didn't go like we crazy enough, or like we didn't have enough time with him being crazy. Like I feel like it it took like. It was like a real slow burn which is definitely like good for certain situations but like i almost feel like we didn't see like almost enough of an impact for it to like really like change the tone of the movie like it felt like there was this movie was just like kind of about like this their weird life and then one of the twins was like slowly going insane um because it seemed like um like the the one who is more reserved, I believe, is Beverly, right? Yeah. Um, he he's never like had anything for his own, and he has feelings for this actress, and he wants her to himself, and then like not, and he doesn't really know how to like kind of like cope with that, and I think it slowly drives him mad, especially when she goes away, and like 
he thinks like she's cheating on him and there's like no like evidence of that whatsoever like it's just like it was so it was almost humorous to me like i think that was actually the second time i left her in the movie yeah where like he called her up and like some man answered the phone and he's like like he was so mad like and i was like wait does he think like she's cheating him on him because like it took me like forever to piece it together i was like it's like this woman works in hollywood like he you don't think someone's like answering her phone (laughs) and the guy was like has such like a stereotypical like gay voice also like i was Mm -hmm. just like man this guy has got some really uh low self-esteem in another moment actually no it was the third time i left another time where he was just like the actress like confronted him about like his brother about how he had like a female na- like a female sounding name and then so what's your brother's name like blah 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 and then he's like what are you trying to say and then i'm a faggot or whatever or like i can't remember what he said but he said something along those lines yeah and i was like oh calm down <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. this is like all happening yeah. in the wake of his like growing drug problem too which she you know, being in that lifestyle introduced him to. So that's, you know, becoming a fast issue. But yeah, as far as the cheating thing, I was really confused. I was like, where is there any, like, confirmation of this? There is none. Like, I didn't even, like, think anything of, you know, her assistant picking up the phone and him, you know, getting the wrong idea from that. I was like, this man is literally crazy. I think it was just like, as you mentioned, we haven't said, he starts to become addicted to drugs, which kind of leads him to his downward spiral into madness and hallucinations. Um, but I think Claire, which is the woman's name who kind of comes between them, Beverly starts to have feelings for her, which like is a break from the rhythm of Beverly and Elliot who have been so in sync together. And it just kind of throws them off the course of what they're used to, that it really throws him into a spiral. And I would posit uh, and you guys can and <laughs> jump in at any time as an interpretation of the film. Pete, you mentioned that when he says, what am I gay or something? Cause he has, he has a girl's name, Beverly yeah, and whatnot is that the twins are two identical twins, but they share the same soul in the sense that they, they counterbalance each other where, they need to be in that rhythm. And when they're not, when one wants something else, it kind of throws them into madness because now they're not, the soul is kind of in disconnect. And Elliot represents like the male, the male perspective and Beverly is the female perspective. And, you know, we get into gender roles and everything, but stereotypically like Beverly's the one who has to, Elliot's like, no, stay at home. You have to do the research, do all this. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring us a claim and stuff like that. And together they make one functioning, successful person. That makes I sense. Was, I was actually dead very, ringers. I was very confused, like watching this movie, like just like the whole, like dynamic of their like relationship and being very confused about like, especially when they were like sharing. Um, the woman for a little bit when they were dancing, I was like, "This is weird." And mm-hmm. I'm like, and then I was like, <laughs> "Like, it made me think of Game of Thrones for a second because of like 
incestuous like like us it's like wow like what timing like game of thrones just ended and now here's another incest thing right in front of me <laughs> right yeah and they have that relationship it seems really close but that scene in particular is like in the plot of the movie claire is the woman that's between them but like it felt like in that scene there was literally just one woman between them and it was like it seemed kind of sexual the way they were dancing together yeah and i didn't know what was going to happen next and, she, and he was like kind of like like controlling her arms like where to like put them and i was like yes yeah. i was like this is fucking weird <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I guess he wanted to have sex with himself. You know, some people, I guess, have that desire. <laughs> I guess, I guess so. Yeah. So, so Beverly starts to go into madness because Claire, the woman he's in love with, goes away for a week for a movie. Cause she's yeah. an actress. She's a, she's a Hollywood actress. Wait, that was, a, that was supposed to be a week? I thought, oh no, I'm sorry. She did say it was X amount of weeks, which I think came out to like two or three months. Okay. Yeah, Roughly two or three like months. A super long time. I was like, wait, he had that downward spell in a week? Man, he like. Just yeah. <laughs> what a basket case. Like to like shambles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went downhill real quick. Uh, he starts to take different sorts of drugs that uh, he, he becomes paranoid about Claire. But also has hallucinations that um, women, there's women with mutant genitalia, correct? Yeah. Isn't that his, that's why he devises these tools. Yeah, this is where it gets really weird. It's also like, I feel like it didn't get fully explored. Um, Because like, I was just really confused and I almost like... Either we needed to see maybe what he was seeing, like, because I feel like that would have, like, gone with kind of Cronenberg's, like, style of, like, seeing mm-hmm. these, like, hallucinations or just, like, I don't know, something something kind of seemed to be missing for me. I think he nailed it where I in Cronenberg style, if you're going to have this characters have hallucinations of, you know, mutant genitalia or he's having feelings that he's, you know, almost a Siamese twin with his brother, you'd expect to see it more um, in whether it's, you know, practical effects, because that's sort of his M.O. and and gore, but you don't really get that except for one one scene. Yeah. It's a, and it's a dream sequence, and it's only like for a second where he's connected to his brother. Yeah, like, that was very Cronenberg. That scene was, but it was weird that that's all we had, and it kind of seems yeah. like I was also like right after I finished this movie, I was trying to like I was still very confused of like what was happening, and I was trying to grasp like like well, what are other people's thoughts on the movie? And there's not a whole lot of reviews on this movie on YouTube, which I was kind of surprised by because I feel like Cronenberg is pretty popular amongst like horror fans, so I thought there would be something, and there was only like one with like more than a thousand reviews and like it seemed like it was filmed like 10 years ago because <laughs> like the aspect ratio was so so small and he was trying to mm-hmm. s- and he had a good point of saying that like Cronenberg had like ver- 
at that time had three very distinct styles of his career. Like he had really early horror, like we're familiar with, like pretty much anything before the fly was like kind of sci-fi, like horror that was like kind of like you know taking something from the fifties and kind of reinventing it into the eighties fashion, and then here and then like I think this was like his first like transitional movie where it's like kind of horror but also not really because like Cronenberg doesn't consider this a horror movie like himself and it was like more of this like of someone who's an outcast and then like he does a couple other movies that were kind of just like really different and then like then he does like history of violence like after that period like he does like kind of like weirder like gangster flicks that are like like he does like I think like in two other movies around that time that are like in a similar fashion so he just is he has very distinct like uh filmmaking styles throughout his career I, I agree, and I, I heard him say in an interview as well, he doesn't consider this a horror film. Um, I would argue it it falls under, instead of body horror, psychological horror. Yeah. Where in the subgenre of psychological horror, there's the madness or paranoia films, like Psycho, um, where this kind of falls into, in that category. But he himself referenced it as conceptual conceptual sci-fi is what uh, the term he used to say he worked on the premise of this film that what if identical twins existed where we know that identical identical twins exist but he's working on the framework of what if these were the first two identical twins it was this new phenomenon like do they share the same soul how do they operate so he was working with that idea where it's not so much like the fly where it's literally science is the driving plot that kind of creates this fly like human but it takes a premise we know and i don't know puts a new spin on it dead ringers which is like a term right like that's an old-fashioned term dead ringer right like he's a dead ringer for that person yeah so i like that title i think it uh it fits really well yeah, I think it's a great title because it's it's tongue in cheek, but it's it's re- it's relevant to the yeah. to everything. Yeah. Well, the original working title was Twins because the book was called Twins based on the the brothers who also were drug addicts and who also died were found dead together. So that follows the same plot line. Spoilers for the movie. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, oh. But the name Twins was I forget the guy, I should know it, but he asked for the rights for the name Twins because he went on to make the movie Twins, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. <laughs> right on. So Dead, Dead Ringer's connected to this film. <laughs> Wait, that's what the movie came out of? Like, of the book? Was the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito? No, no, sorry. <laughs> the book, uh, this movie, Dead Ringer's, is based off the book. The yeah. book's title is Twins. Yes. So the working title of this film was Twins, but this guy came in and said, I want that title for my film. Oh, gotcha. So he bought the rights to, to Twins. Okay. And they, they went with Dead Ringers. Okay, I thought you movie. were saying that someone else <laughs> also, like, like, adapted the book and, like, it turned into Twins, the movie with Arnold. 
and Danny DeVito. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it has nothing to do with what I just saw. <laughs> no, just, just the title. Now, like, I, I follow you now. Great movie, by the way. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, I thought I would bring up... Um, I guess we can go into... I'll bring this up as we go into budget and box office. I do um, have a question, you, though. Yeah, throw it, throw it so, out there. I I cannot find anything about mm-hmm. this, but I was really confused why they were wearing red, like <gasps> like scrubs or whatever you want to call them, cloaks. Co-creepy. They looked weird, like during like the operation scene, and I was like very confused why i couldn't find anything about it the only thing that came up was that they also did it in star trek the next generation when picard got heart surgery and they also were red scrubs because they thought it was cool they did they, they, they took and that's the only thing i could find about it that 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 star star trek also did it and there was no like reasoning why because they looked very old-fashioned to me like doctors i think doctors like like a long time ago would cover themselves up if i remember correctly from assassin's creed games because they did that in assassin's creed games um so what are your thoughts on that (laughs) yeah i just thought it was really creepy i just (laughs) uh also questioned it and then kind of forgot about it because a lot of other things happened that i wasn't really comfortable (laughs) with and sure yeah I don't know. It just added overall to the uneasy feeling that I had watching it. And then, like, what actually happens in that scene when he, like, you know, attacks the person. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I thought he was trying to have sex with her when I, when I, when I saw him, like, jump on her. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) That could be, too. Yeah. Yeah. To me, one, I just think Cronenberg was very subdued in this film compared to his other ones. And that was his flair was he wanted to make those, those, the surgical scenes seem creepy one with their costumes. And they're kind of like half KKK outfit, half like none outfit. It looks like when they're all performing this surgery and their faces are covered and it's like red and it just it just looks eerie to me. It looks kind of just it's off putting. So he put it in there. And then when Beverly brings in like the instruments he created that look really medieval, yeah, it it, it brings to your point like it looks old timey, like from Assassin's Creed, where that's what they kind of look like. And then he brings in the tools that match it, and it just made me feel super uncomfortable. That like I don't know what he's gonna do, but like I'm my my skin's crawling because I feel like he's gonna. Uh, but again there wasn't really that much body horror in that scene but that we saw but something happened that's <laughs> it's gross <laughs> but yeah uh, go on with uh, whatever you wanted to uh. do <laughs> <laughs> no that's a good point because it's a very stylistic costume <clears throat> choice for this film but for the most part it's otherwise subdued like it's pretty like confined to their office space and they're yeah. it's really whites and like blues and blacks not really and the, those scenes are really prominent but i was going to talk about budget box office and before i get into the numbers this is a canadian film this is a canada film and i didn't do the full research but i know we've done some canadian films 
in this podcast that I don't know if you guys can name, but also that are actually pure Canadian films. I'll give you one. I don't think Black Christmas is a oh. Canadian film, technically. That was all that I was going to say. Is it? <laughs> I thought that was, really, I'm surprised with that. I thought it was pure Canadian because I knew Bob Clark was Canadian. Well, right. I'd have to look at that one because I could be wrong, but I just know during that time frame, American companies filmed in Canada for like the tax breaks. That's true. So it's a Canadian film, but it's really an American production. But like full and through Canadian, Canadian team, Canadian film. So Black Christmas could be one, but I think that might be a American one. Hmm. Well, I'm out of ideas. The only other one I can think of is is Happy Birthday to Me. Is that a Canadian film? Well, the sla- 80 slasher me, one we did? Let me get back to you. Yeah. Because I'm looking at really Black quick. Christmas right now. I've seen a fast Canadian film. And Black Christmas is a Canadian film. It is Canadian. Okay. You're right about Happy Birthday to Me, too. That is uh, okay. Canadian as well, I think. That is Canadian. But... I'm going to guess The Fly isn't, even though Cronenberg no, directed yeah, it. Yeah, I feel that yeah. one feels like a bigger, I remember thinking, I think it was like a bigger studio attached to it, and I think, it, I can't remember what the studio mm-hmm. is, but I, I like, um, I, I just, well I just it had it up. I might as well look it up. Well, I, yeah, I just had it, actually, and I, I got away from my notes. It is American. Uh, it is American. The Fly. Oh, and well. it is blah blah blah. I can't. Oh my god! Tell me, tell me now. Twentieth century. It is twenty. But see, that's interesting. Um, that so is Dead Ringers. Two years later, Dead Ringers is also Fox. Oh, yeah, twentieth century Fox. But then I'll throw that out there. Was this movie a success? I know the answer to <laughs> that. Let's have. Lindsay, take a guess. Uh, <laughs> What's the question? Is it was it a box office success? Um, we're gonna go with uh yes. It was not actually. Well, uh, Thirteen million dollar budget, eight million dollar box office total box office. So yeah, it was bad. a flop. But it came out in September of eighty eight, and it was number one. The weekend it came out. I thought that was an interesting fact. Okay. That is weird. That's weird that it was number one, but still flopped. Ultimately. Yeah. I it think was it number was... one the weekend it came out, at least. And I... Uh, I wish I knew what other movies came out around it, but I don't have that in front of me anymore. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not like we were it w- there. It w- <laughs> I wonder what came out in September of 88. Um, I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, it was pretty well-received critically from what I read. Yeah, I think it's... And and Rotten Tomatoes isn't the best meter, but I think it's like 80-something on there. And it, it, it did get nominated for a lot of awards. Chicago Film Critics Association, Jeremy Irons won Best Actor... It was nominated for, it looks like, one, two, three, four, five, six, at least six Genie Awards, and they won five of them, including Best Motion Picture, Best Direction, and it was nominated for the Los Angeles Film Critic, the National Society of Film Critics, New York Film Critics Circle, so 
nominated and won several awards. It was only in theaters for three weeks. Oh. I, it must have done good the first week and then kind of plateaued. Yeah, because I'm a box office mojo. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it was only... Uh, like, So it started in September and they left theaters in October 13th. Mm. So like it left the theaters quite quickly. Yeah. It's pretty rough. I wish I would give you a, a guide of what else came out that weekend, but that's probably too much to ask for. <laughs> it seems like you, you got Cronenberg behind this film. It's uh, Fox is producing it, and Jeremy Irons, who was pretty popular at the time. I, I'm guessing I didn't do the hundred percent research, but it's late '80s, '90s. It just doesn't feel like a commercial movie, like a big commercial blockbuster hit in the first place. It's uh, weird, because Cronenberg isn't really, like, like, The Fly was really successful, but that was, like, more of a horror movie, and, like, horror movie is more marketable, and, like, I think the fact that he didn't believe this to be a horror movie probably wasn't marketed correctly. Like, because I remember watching the trailer for it, because, like, since I have, I actually owned this movie before I even watched it. Because <laughs> I bought it because I love Cronenberg. Um, and then the webs, the, the people that put it out, they, like, release trailers for each movie that they put, like, they, that they remaster on their YouTube channel. And the, the trailer is so weird because it's, like, it kind of, like, presents it in a more scary way than it actually turns out to be. Like if, so, I, I kind of feel like they didn't know like how to market this movie. True, uh, I agree. And with the fly, which was two years prior, uh, maybe people had that that concept of a Cronenberg film going into it that it was going to be similar to the fly. This is way less body horror than the fly. Way less horror geared. I mean, it could fall into psychological horror, but it's. It's far more subtle than The Fly was. And I think The Fly had more star power behind it with, at the time, Goldblum and Gina Davis. Yeah. Being the lead. And it's a remake. And it was a remake of a Vincent Price film. So it has people who knew the material prior coming into it. And it had, like, top-notch, like, special effects at the time. So they had a lot of things, like, going for them. Yeah. We did. Would you... So I'm going to move into Defend and Destroy because I feel like we're coming at that point. Uh, Matt, how about you start it off? Sure. I will... I'll defend Dead Ringers. I I didn't know too much going into it, to be honest. And I read the synopsis. I, I enjoy Cronenberg, so I was really looking for that body horror element that I'm used to from all his previous works. I know that, as you were saying, like... I know the fly, and then before that's even more horror. Uh, if you if you go back further into the eighties and the seventies, and I'm familiar with that, so I was really expecting that it was a little more subdued. I was really impressed though with Jeremy Irons' performance, uh, and it was it was a new take for Cronenberg that I thought was still entertaining. Um, I th- I enjoy. I, I think. As I ruminate on it more, I pick up on more elements that I find interesting in terms of 
the relationship really just between Beverly and Elliot that I think was impressive. Uh, and Cronenberg wrote it as well. So kudos to that. I would defend it. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll end it there. Easy, you want to go next? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. It's going to be a destroy for me. I thought that the pacing was a bit too slow, and um, it's about halfway through that I think it starts to fall apart. Um, and like I said, I think, um, you know, they made it very much a point to for the audience to be confused as to which one was which at several points in the movie, but... It kept me focusing on my confusion too much, and um, which made me enjoy it less, since I wasn't able to really follow it easily. Um, it was really creepy, so they did a good job there, but I feel like uh, this is the stuff of nightmares for many women. It was depressing, um, especially the third act, and the biggest thing for me, why I don't really like it, there was no redemption. Um, I think that you know, the director did a really good job, and there are things to like about this movie, like uh, Jeremy Irons' uh, portrayal of both roles, but it's not for everyone, so um, thumbs down. <laughs> well said. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> you can finish this out, Peter. Surprisingly, I'm going to have to agree with Lindsay on this one. I'm also going to destroy this one. Ooh. Um, for me, um, I would say the only highlight was Jeremy Irons. I enjoy him a lot as an actor, and he was very good in this. And being creepy, I think this was like a miss for Cronenberg, who I very much enjoy. Um, it mm. was too subdued for me. Like, I am fine with the slow burn, but I feel like it didn't have a payoff as big as mm. we're used to with, like, a horror uh, payoff. Even though he said it wasn't, like, a horror movie, but, like, it, there's still, like, it didn't have, like, a payoff to me, like... There it was, like, I expected more, like, craziness near the end. And, like, we had, a, we had, like, little bits of it that were, like, definitely creepy enough. And, like, Lindsay said, like, it's stuff of nightmares for women. And I could totally see that. Mm -hmm. Like, understandable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just seems like we just took so much time, like, seeing one of the twins go into madness and, and then we kind of see it with the other one who, like, decided to synchronize himself, as they call it, by injecting himself with drugs. So it's just, like, them dealing with them being off-kiltered. But, like, it, it was just, like, I don't know, it was weird and, like, uh, confusing. <laughs> hmm. But, like, Jeremy Irons was a highlight, but still not enough to for me to like this movie completely. I would, I'd agree with, uh, with the pacing. It was like two hours, which seemed yeah. relatively long for when action started to pick up. It was, was pretty like almost an act three when things really started to become, you know, less about the relationship and more about kind of horror elements. But, um, before we kind of sign off, I wanted to mention uh, Lindsay, you said this is a thing of nightmares for like women. I want to touch on that because uh, some things I've read in reviews is talking about how like women see this movie much differently than like men view it, and what do they think of the two lead characters? And 
their interaction because I think it's it, it's just been a very go ahead and speak to it, but I just it's it's yeah. it's a mess. And then you know just yeah. and then finding out that you've been like you know sleeping with both of them. Like I mean that's an extreme situation yeah. that doesn't happen you know in real life most of the time, but. I thought it was disgusting. Um, you know, then they like bring yeah. out those like little tools that he came up with, and I'm like, whew. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it's already a traumatic experience, and then you see a movie like this, and uh, obviously it's much worse, but <laughs> I was just like, right. ooh, that just really sealed the deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's rough. I do think that women would have a different perspective on it, like just naturally, you know, because mm-hmm. that's real life stuff, you know. And they're, it seems like they're in the profession because, like, it helps them score, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I heard, I read and here at the water cooler, uh, I read uh, just some reviews of some women critics who thought that um like that the 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 film was misogynistic in terms of like the characters beverly and elliot and like basically their whole scheme was prior to the movie is that like they they will sleep with the same woman and not tell them and then we're supposed to be endearing to like their pitfalls when they slowly start to lose it and also that like claire would be like oh it's whatever i love beverly but like why like (laughs) they they're both terrible people. So Yeah, they are. Like I said, <laughs> there's no redemption. Yeah, there really isn't. They just kind of lose it in the end. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it confusing for me. Like, it just, like, like, a lot of the characters' choices don't make sense between the two leads. Like, let's say Beverly was, like, it's like they're journeying through madness together, and then the woman actress just all around making poor decisions i guess (laughs) okay well if there's nothing else to say on the topic uh that's two destroys and uno defend from the it records gang on dead ringers um if you want to check it out uh it's on amazon prime you can watch it there uh, I believe it's on Google Play. At least for you can find it there. And I'm sure you can you can just buy the film somewhere pretty cheap <laughs> on Amazon, a used copy of it. But it's been out for a while, so check out Dead Ringers. And no, never mind. I don't think it's in the Criterion Channel, but it is in the Criterion Collection. I think it is. Uh, but until next time, is it on the? Ch- okay, so if you maybe I don't know, I'm making it up. <laughs> yeah. If you have the Criterion channel, it might be in there to stream as well. But get at us on Facebook and the social media. Uh, if you have an episode idea that you'd like us to do, a movie or a mini-episode idea, we'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review. Uh, that helps us get more listeners. Uh, and we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you find us. But until next time, I'm gonna be I'm going to be comfortable in the shadows. I'm gonna be comfortable shining the light on your bullshit. (laughs) Bye, everyone.